Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Taves, light circle, shoots and scores! A shorthanded goal for Jonathan Taves. Kubelik in front, he shoots and scores! Dominic Kubelik on a belief line, right circle, shoots and scores! He set it up for Carpenter to slice and he scores! Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Zach Smith enters the Sabre zone, put it down the right wing here. Doc with the back, and he scores! Kirby Doc! Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines concerning your Chicago Blackhawks. Kane now with three, put it across the ring, and shoots, he scores! The cat connects with a one-timer from the left circle. Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast alongside our Blackhawks beat reporter and weekend sports anchor here at WGN Radio, Joe Brand. I am Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio, and we have a lot to cover, a lot to unravel here. And Joe, it's good to see you again because I just saw you 24 hours ago, and a little backstory here. Uh, we did a podcast following the Corey Crawford signing on Saturday with New Jersey, and uh, sent it into our fine producer, Curtis Koch. And um, Curtis was a little bit delayed in being able to get around to it and post it because he was cooking kebabs with his family. <laughs> Curtis kebabs. Coke kebabs? Curtis <laughs> Coke kebabs? But uh, good thing he must have ESP or ES- ESPN or something like that because uh, as he was probably just getting around to posting that podcast, hold the phone. Don't even bother because we have a Blackhawks major trade as well, which, uh, again, we will, uh, we will go through here momentarily. We'll hear from Malcolm Subban a little bit down on the road on this podcast. But, uh, yes, after, uh, after doing a couple solo podcasts, because Joe was tied up in his other, other teaching gig, uh, I was glad to have him in on Saturday. And then we didn't even hear from him. But now you do in the wake of this trade. It's been quite a roller coaster ride podcast wise over the past week after not doing one for what, four, five, six weeks following the end of the season. Well, yeah, I'll lead the same way I led yesterday with. I felt really out of place. I was having FOMO. You're doing all these podcasts on your own, and uh, oh, am I doing the right thing by missing these ones? Uh, should I should I be part of this relevant information? No, a teacher should always say, hold on, kids. <laughs> Just sit at your desks or your virtual desk because i got to run out for a couple of hours and do a Blackhawks podcast. And if anybody's got a thought on the Blackhawks, feel free to share it, maybe to get the ideas rolling. But yeah, I mean, day in and day out since Thursday, information and content has hit this Blackhawks team. And uh, boy, have things changed in just the last four days. It went from who they drafted to... How does the future set up for this team to, oh, wow, Corey Crawford's no longer with the Blackhawks to, I wonder who's going next to, well, less than 24 hours later, it's Brandon Saad. He's gone, and uh, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on it, and uh, I'm sure we've got a few as well, but for the most part that we talked about yesterday, we are looking at a different direction for this Blackhawks team, and I think it's fair to discuss... What the reasonings of these moves have made have been because it doesn't quite explain the direction, at least in my eyes. And um, moving on with players like Corey Crawford and Brandon Saad, who were pivotal pieces to Stanley Cup championships, you would hope that the reasoning of it and the return of it is something to really look forward to the future, and I think that's what these moves are lacking right now. So I think that's why Blackhawks fans are most upset. And, you know, uh, people are are very reactionary towards uh, Stan in particular. But let me start out by saying this. Uh, The moves aren't done. Um, I would anticipate more moves, and whether they make the fan base happy or angry or whatnot, there are still going to be a series of moves done. Uh, Stan came out uh, on Thursday when the announcement came that Corey Crawford uh, would be allowed to 
um, go into free agency without re-signing him. And, um, you know, when we did our podcast yesterday, we kicked around what some of the numbers were, what he ended up actually signing for. But uh, Stan made no mistake that this was going to be a turn toward the youth in the explanation about Corey. Now, more youth comes your way. You lose a combined four Stanley Cup rings before the t- uh, between the two guys who have gone out the door. But I have... Uh, no doubt with uh, trades and free agency, based on what you do or don't get, salary cap-wise in return in some of the trades, there may be some more action in free agency. But um, Stan made that very clear that this was uh, we're going towards a, a more youthful direction. And while people may argue what the Blackhawks got in return for Brandon Saad, and it was Saad and Dennis Gilbert on Saturday night going to a division rival, in the Colorado Avalanche, uh, giving them another piece that they likely need to get over the hump, which was for what already is a very, very good team. You get uh, a an element that the Blackhawks have lacked in recent years, and that is a big physical defenseman in Nikita Zadorov. 25 years old, who uh, just signed a restricted free agent deal for $3.2 million. The Blackhawks are also keeping a million dollars of Brandon Saad, $6 million salary. But it opens up a little bit more salary cap room. You also get a guy, a potential seventh defenseman, or at the very least, Rockford Icehog guy you can have handy in Anton um, Lindholm, who doesn't have that much NHL experience. But you do get the physical factor. And uh, again, the Blackhawks, this trade adds to... What already seems to be a very crowded defensive core, even though the likes of Olimata already gone, Slater Cuckoo in all likelihood gone based on the return in this trade. And um, you're skewing much younger. And uh, for those who are thinking, okay, this is a complete uh, rebuild, a complete gutting of things. Well, Zadorov does provide an element, at least for the coming year, uh, something uh, that the Blackhawks had been lacking if he is going to be sticking around. And I wouldn't be surprised if more moves happen uh, on the blue line. And um, as we further dive into this, understandably, word has come out on Sunday morning that um, Jonathan Taves isn't uh, very pleased with what's gone on over the last couple of days and that's to be expected uh, when he sees some of his buddies that he's won Stanley Cups with go out the door that can certainly be expected but uh, my under- my take on that is that okay l- let's see how this all plays out because there are still going there are still going to be more moves there's still going to be more times and it may in fact end up being a, a team that doesn't give you as much of a chance to make the playoffs. On the other hand, you know, perhaps some of these things that they might get in return with the further moves that they make uh, could end up uh, being a positive uh, towards uh, relevancy. I shouldn't say relevancy again, but uh, let's be honest with the group that has been assembled here over the last several years. They have continued to fall short of the playoffs. So now a decision is made. I, I think once we hear from Stan once again, and I'm not sure he's going to reveal his entire hand of cards uh, publicly, but uh, we'll get a better sense of uh, how deep this is going to go and how important the communication factor is going to be with you know, some of the longtime guys, your Taveses, your Keiths, your Canes, and your Seabrooks moving forward here. Well, there's definitely concern that you know, there's there's just a lack of communication with with Mark Lazarus's piece in, in the Athletic, talking about the core of Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Brent Seabrook, and Duncan Keith not being happy with the decision to move on from Corey Crawford. And like you said, that's expected. But when you use the term rebuild in in any team or sport setting, you're expecting to move the guys that are movable and receive pieces or picks that help you in the long-term future for the most part, sometimes in the short-term future. And I think that's where most of the backlash comes from this Brandon Saad deal. Nikita Zadorov, 25-year-old defenseman, as is Anton Lindholm. But Zadorov, like you said, fills in the muscle piece and kind of solidifies more of your top four defensemen that they've had in the past. But he's a a restricted free agent after this upcoming season. So that's going to be another decision coming after this year. Let's face it, Brandon Saad isn't the value that he was the first time the Blackhawks moved him, but he he seemed like your most valuable piece heading into this whole thing. We were talking yesterday how 
it might be wise for the Blackhawks to move him mid-year next season for whatever the 2020-2021 season will look like because you get more value at a, at a trade deadline move. They felt the need to do it during the offseason, and the return you get doesn't really benefit you too much in the long run. That still has to be played out. Like you said, more things have to happen. We don't know where an Anton Lindholm or a Zadorov will fit in the long term. But the other thing is just retaining another million dollars. So Zadorov's what? A little over three million. Saad was getting six, so you're saving about two million dollars. I'm guessing the next move will be a Dylan Strom because now they've freed up this money to sign a guy that can be part of their long-term future. Now, how much they sign Dylan Strom for if they go that route and how long they do are going to be the biggest things because that's going to determine whether or not it's worth it to hang on to a Dylan Strom. And again, I think when you answer how long and how much, that explains how much it's worth it. So again, a lot still has to happen in this offseason. I didn't think it'd get this interesting Less than twenty four, less than four hours after we recorded the Corey Crawford podcast, you can't even blink with this team right now. But but that's the direction this organization is going. It seems it's it's every day something can be up for grabs. Well, and and, and the reason we didn't another reason we didn't even go ahead and post the podcast uh, uh, last night after this news came out because we brought Brandon Sod's name up. If mm-hmm. if uh, there was going to be uh, further drastic moves made in terms of. Uh, Stan's uh, approach to make this roster younger and and compile you know some assets for down the road. Uh, we were discussing that as a, a possibility that uh, Brandon Side could be among those candidates to be moved. And in fact, just a couple of hours later, that he was. Now, now going back to the communication uh, between management and uh, these players who have done so much for the organization, it was actually brought up. Uh, during the course of the season, I believe it was around the trade deadline when they decided to deal Robin Leonard. I think Patrick Kane was asked about uh, the possibility of an open line of communication as the core guys are going to be around, or at least uh, contract-wise are scheduled to be around another couple of years, and you don't think that they would be moved about a line of communication between Stan Bowman and the players. Patrick Kane said, yeah, I think that that would be nice if we got a little bit input on it. But then when you circle back and ask Stan the, the same thing, yeah, everyone can have their own opinion on, on whether this is the right or wrong way to go. But Stan says, well, you know, uh, players have to do their thing. Management, uh, we're up here making decisions on this. I don't go down into the locker room after every game and ask about a particular shift, which is true. Uh, I mean, that has to be separated. Now, uh, how much input he would like to the, all these players who have done so much and all these players who have been around and, and been so influential for this franchise, uh, that's a matter of debate, but there still has to be some kind of separation. And when these drastic moves are made, and I'm sure those players were even more shocked than fans were, um, and you know, Stan's not doing a hotline thing, checking with Jonathan or Patrick and saying, hey, is it okay to make this move? Um, uh, we have started to see the turn to which the franchise is going. And again, bottom line, and you can you know, hang this on management and the decision-making as well, what has been happening with the, with the players and especially some of the core players over the course of the last couple of seasons, no matter who the parts were around them, it, it hasn't been good enough. And now I think the entire NHL, the Blackhawks probably aren't the only one, and there are other teams that have already started this and have been at it for a couple of years, getting a little reset in terms of what their philosophy is going to be. This may have been an entirely situation, an entirely different situation, Joe, if the pandemic hadn't come and you have a salary cap that's going up four or five million dollars uh, each year over the course of the last the next couple of years, but now we're stuck at eighty one point five and. Some of the past decisions, you know, you're really feeling the result of this and almost forcing the hand of uh, what you're choosing to do at this point moving forward. With what the Blackhawks had after dealing Olimata uh, a week ago to the L.A. Kings, um, they probably could have made it work, um, keeping Brandon Saad, finding a way to have Corey Crawford stick around, uh, especially when he signs for... Um, you know, there's a report out there that it was a 3.5 initial offer, and the Blackhawks stood firm, didn't bother negotiating, according to Corey, back and forth. Uh, Corey indicated it was more towards three. 
Um, and he ends up signing for three, uh, an average of 3.9 over two years with the New Jersey Devils. Um, they probably could have made that work. And, but on our initial podcast that we recorded on Saturday, you know, there are other factors involved here as well. Corey's going to be 36 on, on New Year's Eve. He's had the concussion and injury issues and then the COVID issue. Uh, uh, there's been a little bit more drama health-wise for Corey, as great as he has been and as much as he has done for the franchise. Uh, there has been that question moving forward, and he finally got his opportunity at age 25. He was in the minors for seven years after the Blackhawks drafted him, and now you have a couple of 26-year-olds in Colin Dealey and Malcolm Subban, a 24-25 year-old in Kevin Lankinen that uh, the Blackhawks feel they might be able to uh, move forward here with, or at least determine what they have in those guys. So um, that's the stamp uh, on, on what this team is is doing moving forward. And I know um, Corey in his, his press conference uh, with the New Jersey media and a lot of Chicago media as well uh, was not shy in expressing his shock and disappointment and not being able to move forward because when we talked to him right after that playoff of that brief playoff run ended sounded like he was all in on staying in chicago wanting to be a number one which he may not necessarily be in new jersey either with mackenzie blackwood but also understanding the blackhawks salary cap situation and perhaps giving a bit of a a hometown discount too and the point you bring up about the pandemic playing a factor in this year i mean we talked a lot about this a lot yesterday and i'm going to keep going back to yesterday because we basically did all of this but (laughs) we just have to update our thoughts and they they didn't hear it before i know i know it was only the two of us but that, but that's the thing. It's like all these thoughts aren't just coming from the Brandon Saad deal. I mean, I, I understand Blackhawks' frustration about not keeping Corey Crawford, and I get it. If you're not even upset that they are not keeping him, but the fact of how his exit was at least handled or portrayed how it was handled. But here's the thing. Stan Bowman is going to get criticism no matter what. A lot of that criticism has come from the Brent Seabrook deal. How could you pay a guy starting to head towards the latter years of his career this much money, be this much locked in? You can't be tied to the past as much. He did the exact opposite with Corey Crawford. Now, I get it. You can get a short-term deal with Corey Crawford, but if your indeed plan is to move on with this organization, go in a different direction, rely on the youth, and start figuring some things out, you're the general manager. By all means, go ahead and do that if you have a plan. The Brandon Saad deal, with what the return you get from him, is basically more of a salary dump. That's where I understand even more frustration. When when we talked about the communication, you're very right. You bring up a good point. Why would a general manager need to talk with his players about what type of direction they're going? But I don't know, do you at least give them a heads up of the situation? I'm not saying you do or not. It's just a question that might be valid asking. But I almost wonder, was it just so good when the Hawks were winning cups? I mean, everyone's best friends. They're in love with the city. The fans are fantastic. These runs are unbelievable. And it's just so good that when things start to not go so great, you just still expect everything to happen the way you expect it to because of how great it was back in the heyday of winning all those cups. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I I don't know if it's if it's Stan Bowman's job or at least a, a morale aspect to let Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook know, hey guys, just so you know, the news is about to come out. We are not. I'm about to talk with reporters. We're not bringing back Corey. This is the direction we're going. I don't know if that's the right decision or not. I don't know what the relationships are like with a general manager and, and a player aspect like that, but it seems like, according to Mark Lazarus's piece on The Athletic, that that core is a little frustrated with lack of communication, with whatever that should mean or that should entail. Um, so, so that's gonna that's gonna burn some bridges. Um, a, a, some an aspect he talks about in that article too is he brings it up, and it, it seems pretty extreme. The fact that oh, maybe this is the route they're taking, so that their hand is being forced because of all these non-trade clauses in their contracts. I think that's a bit extreme. Um, even Jonathan Taves admitted I've I've never been part of that conversation or not. But listen, if if you've got a plan, if you are looking for the big R, the word rebuild, okay. I, I just hope that, well, no, I don't hope that. 
like you said, things are going to happen more down the road. It seems like more of a salary dump than ever, anything, but those are the moves that I think have hurt Stan Bowman's case so much before because that's that's a big reason why Artemi Panarin is no longer a Blackhawk. That's why Nicoletti kind of wasn't either uh, later on, so I, I get the frustration and all that, but, but we do have to see how this all plays out because, because these big moves have happened, there are so many other moves in the future, and again, I my gut says that Dylan Strome will be the next guy signed. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what those numbers look yeah, like. Yeah, even though the Blackhawks don't don't necessarily uh, have to, they could they could go to arbitration, and have an arbitrator, you know, d- decide what that number is for Dylan Strome, and uh, you know, they, they still have uh, have his rights for for a, another year at least here moving forward if they if they don't do anything long term with him. And obviously, the top priority this offseason and. When the bell struck 11 o'clock, when free agency opened on Friday, was to get Dominic Kubalik done. For that stand, did an out, uh, a lot of people thought he did an outstanding job getting him for 3.7 at just two at just two years, kind of a bridge deal right there, uh, and also kind of a prove it thing for Dominic Kubalik to show that uh, yeah, uh, I, I can spit out 30 goals once again next season, or what would uh, project to 30 goals for however long next season is. Um, so that was the top order of business. He got that done at a very good price and also bring back uh, Malcolm Subban to be part of the mix uh, 24 hours after the word about Corey uh, not returning that came out. So, you know, back to this thing about the, the core guys. This isn't the first time that they have experienced this. Uh, they were probably ticked off when Nicholas Jalmerson was traded. They were ticked off when Artemi Panarin was traded or when, you know, Brandon Saad was a, a originally let go, uh, dealt away. Um, and, and yeah, you can make the arguments that is all under the guise of the salary cap. But by the same token, those guys who have been so instrumental and earned their deals, they're making $10 million a year. Taves and, and, and Kane specifically, I don't see them moving. And Johnny even said he is going to be a Blackhawk. He's not interested in being frustrated to the point where um, he's going to go in there and ask for a trade. He is a Blackhawk through and through. I would imagine Patrick Kane feels the same way. So um, those guys uh, are getting their bucks, but that and that is a uh, – it, it was good value at the time. Uh in a normal world, you're seeing the you're you're projecting the salary cap to gradually increase year by year, so it gives you a little bit more wiggle room. But faced in the situation we are right now, that that's simply not where the Blackhawks are. So let, let's take a look at where things stand right now. And by the way, once Stan and or you know Nikita Zadorov, uh, uh, there's expected to be some kind of availability early this week, and we will certainly update our podcast, uh, especially if, if Stan does talk. Um, and, and get his explanation on things because, uh, that is only the fair thing to do. But as we look at this Blackhawk roster now, so you have, uh, we started going into this yesterday. Down the middle, it's going to look very much the same with the way things stand right now. Taves, Doc, Strom, and Camp being your centers. You'll still have, you know, Kubalik and Kane and Debrinkit. You scratch Shaw off the list. And then, uh, in the bottom six, some of the projected guys, you have, you know, a, a Nylander and Andrew Shaw, if he's healthy. Same for Zach Smith, Matthew Highmore, uh, and Ryan Carpenter. You know, whether those guys are Blackhawks whenever they drop the puck on the opening of the uh, 2021 season, which is going to be, remains to be seen. They're also bringing in Pia Suter uh, from overseas, kind of a, a guy that they hope is a Cahoon or a Kubalik type, although he's probably not going to be as productive uh, from a goals and points standpoint as, as Kubalik was this year. Probably he's more along the lines of a Dominic Cahoon, who, by the way, is a free agent as well. So, you know, there are other pieces out there that could could fill things in. And um, on the defensive side of things, now things get a little bit more complicated with where things stand right now, and it leads you to believe perhaps some there might be more moves ahead because when you're counting on an Ian Mitchell and an Adam Boquist to be a part of the mix and, uh, you know, who knows, even a, perhaps a, a wide Kalanuk, the free agent college kid that they brought from Wisconsin. But then you have Keith and DeHaan and Murphy, um, and you also still have Brent Seabrook there. And now you add Zadorov to the mix, uh, Lindholm to a lesser extent. So that leads you to believe that something more may be coming uh, w- with a move on the blue line because, uh, you're back to a crowded situation that you were with, with, with Mata and Cuckoo when those guys were on the roster as you started projecting towards this season, too, this well, coming season. And let's face it, I mean, this defense has to be not only better, but 
Corey Crawford's not between the pipes anymore. Or Robin Leonard, and those guys saved this team's bacon in order to just... They weren't going to make the playoffs at the time of the pause. The expanded field allowed them to make the playoffs, and that was those two guys were as big a reason as any with their save percentage. You know, we discussed this yesterday about high danger chances, and it wasn't just last year either. It's been right. going on for a while. Exactly. So, I mean, you're kind of back to a crowded blue line, but... Okay, Nikita Zadorov, how much intensity can you bring? Can you can you bring that muscle that the Hawks have been lacking for a couple of years? But like you said earlier, they're losing some experience with Ole Mata being gone now. So how this defense plays out is going to be big because it's kind of a goalie competition with Lankin and Delia and Subban. So who are we going to see pull through? Who, who's going to want to make the case for being the goaltender of the future for the Blackhawks if it's one of those three? I do think this is a great opportunity for Malcolm Subban, who was a first-round pick eight years ago, has often been just log-jammed by Stanley Cup-winning goaltenders in front of him with Tuka Rask and Marc-Andre Fleury and now Corey, well, then Corey Crawford. So he's finally got an opportunity to be the guy, have a spot. He's talked about how he kind of grew up a Blackhawks fan when he was younger. So this is a great opportunity and a great spot for this kid to maybe pump some confidence and, and really just shine as the starting goaltender. But it's going to come down to, not come down to, but a big factor of it is going to be how well this defense is in front of him. And that that's going to play a role in how well he can do this year. Because as, as I mentioned yesterday, when when a team is not doing well defensively, what do you, what do the fans do? They blame the goalie. It's the goalie's fault. They never should have gotten rid of Corey Crawford. Well, Corey Crawford was sometimes playing out of his skates a few times because he had to make up for what the defense was lacking. So that is going to be huge for Malcolm Subban or whoever is between the pipes, their success this upcoming year. As long as we brought him up, let's hear from Subban himself uh, on uh, Friday morning after he was uh, re-signed. He was uh, uh, due to have a qualifying offer that the Blackhawks originally did not give to him, but Stan said as much in Thursday's press conference about Coy that the goal was still to bring Subban back and put him into the mix. He ends up coming back on a two-year deal. It cost the Hawks, I think, eight hundred fifty grand uh, per season on average. So uh, let's hear about uh, hear from Malcolm Subban himself about getting another opportunity and probably a much bigger opportunity now here in Chicago without a star goalie that he is going to have to uh, uh, outperform, whether it's on uh, merit or on reputation. He is going to be in the mix with Colin Delia and Kevin Lankinen, at least if perhaps another veteran goalie might not be brought, brought into the mix uh, between now and the time the season starts. Here's Malcolm Subban from Friday. I had a brief stint here, and um, you know, for what it was worth, I, it was an unbelievable time experience getting to know everyone and um, world-class organization, like I said, when I got here and um, just getting familiar with anywhere, everyone here, getting familiar with the city. And um, it's, it's, it's been unbelievable so far. And I'm, I'm so happy that I could uh, sign back and um, be a part of this for a bit longer. And You've been waiting for an opportunity like this for pretty much your whole career, a chance to compete to be the number one goalie. Uh, how do you prepare for that and how excited are you for that chance? I think I've been preparing for it for a long time now. And, um, you know, I think you just got to keep working hard. You know, you put the work in to, to get the opportunity. And obviously, uh, you know, it's three uh, great goaltenders um, with deals and uh, length. So um, obviously it's, you know, it's good competition. Uh, we got to know each other, uh, been in the bubble there and, you know, they're great guys. And I think, um, you know, our one goal is, you know, whatever opportunity we get is to help the team win. And that's the most important thing. So um, I'm excited for the opportunity for sure. I'm sure there's been a lot of pressure on you the last few years as a backup goalie to right to try to make the most of your opportunities when you get them. How much do you feel like you could benefit from potentially being a starter and stringing together those starts, um, you know, and just staying mentally engaged? Um, yeah, I think my goal right now is, you know, like as you guys start as many starts as I as I can get, and obviously um, to get as many wins to help the, or do whatever I can do to help the team win. So. Um, yeah, in the past, you know, it's uh, definitely gotten a groove when I when I played some more games, uh, strung together some games. So, um, but uh, you know, that's that's got to be earned, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to earn those starts. Uh, what have you been up to this off season? Um, where are you you staying for this, and, and maybe what are you trying to work on uh, to to improve for next year? Um, I think you know to continue 
um, to just continue to improve on, you know, what I've been working on and um, just improve on everyday habits and uh, preparation and, you know, just uh, being a professional in general. I mean, you look at every summer about, you know, what you got better at the year before and what you still need to work on and maybe new things. And, um, you know, it's great uh, being with Crow and, um, you know, just watching him and learning from him and being with Jimmy and, um, you know, seeing how he implemented the stuff that, you know, we try to work on in our system and, um, you know, so it's great to watch him. And there's stuff that I've been, I need to work on this summer and um, just to continue to, you know, perfect and tweak um, for next season. You had an opportunity to kind of bend the ear of Tuca in Boston and, and, and Mark Andre in Vegas. So what was unique about your time with, with Corey in terms of uh, what you were able to uh, gather from him and how much you appreciated some of his mentorship? Oh, yeah, it's been uh, unreal. I've been very fortunate, uh, you know, to play behind uh, three unbelievable goaltenders and um, and learn from them. And I think, uh, you know, the one thing they all have in common is just the compete level and the battle and, you know, just being a professional. Um, you know, it's it, it's unbelievable, you know, how they can do uh, what they do so well and so consistently. So, um, you know, that, that's been huge. And, um, you know, they all have their little different personalities, but at the, end, at the end of the day, you know, they all share the same traits when it comes down to, you know, being able to win and finding a way to win. So, um, that's definitely one th- uh, thing that I've taken from all of them for sure. Malcolm, you talked about the the competition and goal. How excited are you to get into camp? And I mean, your first camp with the Blackhawks, kind of go through an entire season together, but to have that opportunity and, and fight for that role. I mean, does that kind of give you some added motivation to hopefully whenever things open up, get, get rolling and hit the ground running? Um, yeah. Um, you know, like I said, you know, just trying to continue to, to be better than I was last year and, uh, and work on stuff. And, um, you know, in terms of the opportunity, yeah. Um, like I said, we were in the bubble and, uh, got to know each other a bit and had a good relationship and pushing each other. So that's obviously going to continue when we get to camp and, um, yeah, just excited to, uh, you know, get the opportunity and, um, just whatever I can do to help the team win and whatever opportunity I get, I'm excited for that. So with the, uh, Uncertainty of when the season's going to start or when training camp's going to happen. What do you do between now and then to prepare yourself so you could be a possible starter for the Blackhawks? Um, I think, you know, uh, like, I, like I said before, every, you know, every summer when you come back, you try to, you know, improve on stuff. And I think uh, one of the biggest things was, you know, just like in quarantine when uh, I was skating with the guys and, you know, Kaner and Debrinkat and Nylander at the start and, um, you know, just seeing, you know, the work they put in every day and uh, especially Kaner, a guy who's been so established and accomplished so much and, you know, how much work he still puts in. It's, uh, it's, it's great to come in and learn from all these guys. And, um, you know, there's definitely stuff that I'm going to be implementing this summer to, to make sure I'm ready for uh, when, the, when the camp comes. Malcolm Subban does not quite have his uh, brother PK's explosive personality. He has more of the uh, even keel goalie type, you know, more, more along the lines of, of – uh, who Corey was, you know, a lot of these guys are more even keel. It doesn't mean there's not uh, goalies with personality. Heck, you know, Robin Leonard, just look at him. Even Colin Dealey has a, has a little bit of that himself. But um, just circling back to the, the point that you made, and we'll talk a little bit more about Corey here as well and, and give him his much-deserved stick tap for what he did here. Yes, you're definitely correct in, in leading into this because if these goalies are going to have to stand any chance – the defensive system is going to have to execute much better than it has. And this has been a problem dating back to Joel's last year or two. Things started breaking down then, and it's not just the blue line, guys. It's not just the goalie. There, Everyone is going to have to be much more on the same page. That's 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 kind of the catchphrase when things break down and you talk to these guys after a game. We weren't on the same page. The communication was bad. Well, that's going to have to improve uh, if you're going to give these guys a chance. And it's not just the defensemen. It's all five guys who are out there on the ice at a time to allow these guys to to have a chance in the blue paint. Malcolm Subban, for his career, 19 career starts. For Colin Delia, in his NHL career, 16 career starts. So that's a total of 35 between the three goalies that you have right now. It's an interesting story. Uh, also, uh, we're giving the Athletic too many props here, but you know, we heard from Peter Aubrey, the Blackhawks, goaltending developmental coach who has worked a lot especially in particular obviously with Delia and Lankinen over the course of the last couple years and he has himself a sense of confidence as these guys are ready to answer the bell at least one of them is is viable enough to stand up and grab hold of this job but another thing that we mentioned in our podcast that never aired yesterday (laughs) was that 
whatever this season is going to look like, especially if they're going to try and squeeze in as you know as close to 82 games, I find that hard to believe if they're not going to start until January 1st. But man, it is going to be fast and furious, and you're going to need two good goaltenders uh, in the mix there in order to uh, proceed. And of course, I bring that point up, and of course, everyone says, well, that's why you needed to re-sign Corey. Two of these guys are going to have to be really good, and the defense in front of them, uh, the whole team defensively in front of them, is going to have to be much better than what we've seen over the three or four years previous. And who knows? Maybe with that situation you just posed, that that's exactly what Colin Delia, Kevin Lankinen, and Malcolm Subban, whatever those two, two out of those three that you choose or that the Blackhawks choose, maybe that's good for uh, them to just get in the groove because you're not playing looking over your shoulder the whole time. Am I going to lose the starting job to this guy? Maybe somebody can outperform you, but you know you're still going to get your reps in. So maybe that can be beneficial to both those guys knowing that, hey, even if I have a terrible game, I'm still going to get my opportunity. Because again, Malcolm Subban never really had that opportunity. I know he was drafted first round, but you have to play better than a Stanley Cup winning goaltender. I mean, that's got to be very, very difficult because the moment you do have a bad game or do screw up, it's, well, well, he's not our main guy anyway. It's, you know, it's it's this guy we've got who will be playing for us in the playoffs. So I, I can see that helping both just confidence-wise, a rep-wise, and just, just the opportunity to be the guy for the first time. And when we talk about the defense, how many times do we hear Jeremy Colleton this past year talk about playing consistently for 60 minutes? I mean, that's going to be the the biggest thing. You almost wonder, because they don't have a goalie that can bail them out, like Robin Letter and Corey Crawford did in certain circumstances, can that make the defense better? Can the defense be like, oh, yeah, well, you, you know, after a few games where some soft goals are given up, the defense tightens them some things up, and they, they're forced to be... Uh, forced to have better communication, forced to be more of a unit, and I don't mean to play Mr. Optimism right now, but but you never know. Like these are different scenarios for this Blackhawks team that they haven't seen before, so maybe they that can work in their favor. And circling back to a point that we made on Saturday afternoon here uh, as well, and a very important point is that uh, of this too is. Uh, there, there hasn't been a final decision made on how this management is going to be structured after um, uh, they parted ways with John McDonough. This is also Jeremy Colleton's last year on his contract. And to make this thing work, especially defensively with all the problems that they've had over the course uh, past couple of years, it is going to be on this coaching staff. No matter the makeup of the roster, it is going to be on this coaching staff one way or another to figure things out um, and uh, to improve that area in particular because too many times uh, it, that that was part of the equation, I'm sure, the unsaid equation from Stan Bowman a year ago to bring in Robin Leonard to join Corey Crawford. $11 million worth of goaltending there. And then their team save percentage this year ended up being 913, which is tied for fourth in the NHL. And nevertheless, their uh, goals against average was tied for 16th at 3.06. So there's a lot of puzzle pieces and moving parts that are going to have to work together here, whether it's Corey Crawford, Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban, or not. And finally, before we sign off here, let's let's talk a little bit about Corey. Um, and yeah, Brandon Saad too. He's another guy um, in the pain of seeing him go. Always played hard, puck possession monster. Um, uh, played at you know both ends of the ice. And, you know, was he ever going to be a consistent 30-goal scorer? No, but he will always give you anywhere from 18 to 25 or so goals per season. You'll take that production, uh, for the most part, out of a, a, a top-six guy. And uh, now that's a void that's going to have to be picked up by someone else or filled. So uh, good on Brandon Saad during his two stints here. Corey, on the other hand, uh, man, what a guy. Uh, very low key, and we were talking about this in the podcast yesterday. Nothing. It was either on him when things were bad, and it was for everybody else the job they did around him when he would have himself a great game. After that, forty-eight save performance in what was it, game four against Vegas, I believe it was, in order to keep them alive. He stood on his absolute head, and and, and that was that was another exhibit A in 
the defensive problems that the Blackhawks have had, but he only let one of 49 shots get past him. Probably up to half of those were high danger opportunities, and it was Corey at his very best. And after the game, it was, I don't know, I really didn't see that many difficult chances, and I thought the guys (laughs) played pretty well behind me. And then, you know, when he'd have a shutout or something like that, it would always be uh, the the same thing. And when the Blackhawks would lose a game by a score of 3-2, to Corey would be the guy who'd be the first to say, I needed to be a little bit better. I didn't feel that sharp tonight. And uh, that's simply the kind of guy that he was. And um, that's part of, I'm sure, the disappointment of the core guys, having that kind of guy step out of the locker room. It's not like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane are going to come and report to training camp whenever that is and say, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to believe in Colin or Malcolm or or Kevin that much. No, they're, they're not going to go say that. But the absence and the void in that room from the guys who have accomplished so much and who would protect their teammates. And it's not like Colin and Malcolm and, and Kevin aren't going to do the same thing, but Corey was consistent in doing that and he helped them win. You know, he, he was in the argument as much as anybody else during those 13 and 15 runs to win the Conn Smythe Trophy, too. I'm glad we're ending on a high note, even though it is talking about the departure of Corey Crawford. Uh, quickly, what I'll remember most about Brandon Saad is just, just his individual effort to generate chances. Like, there were so many times where he'd steal the puck. Wasn't the best finisher. <laughs> right, right. That was def- Yeah, well, there were, there were a few times where he just had a cursed stick and couldn't find the back of the net for anything. But I'll, I'll just remember so many opportunities where he steals the puck and drives down the ice and you know outskates the defender and generates a chance, maybe scores a goal. Uh, but you just always love that gritty attitude. And his, his uh post-game press conferences, anytime he talked, it was always the same kind of attitude. Just just very business as usual. Uh, definitely we'll, we'll miss interviewing him in the locker room. The Corey Crawford situation, I'm glad I didn't say this last podcast because I, it gets me another chance to do it now. Uh, my first year doing, uh, you know, being in the locker room, holding up a microphone, uh, was the last year the Hawks were in the actual playoffs, so 2017 against the Predators. And uh, it was game two, and uh, the plan was, all right, reporter number one for WGN, go get Taves or Kane, who's ever first, and then I play free safety and, and get somebody else who's talking. Corey Crawford was the guy. Nobody else was in the dog pile but me. This is my first time interviewing a, a playoff athlete at the professional level and I mumbled probably the first four seconds of talking I finally gathered myself finished my statement and I'm like he's either going to say I'm not answering you or he's just going to like totally put me in my place he looked ahead and I don't know if he just didn't hear what I asked or or just took the high road and, and just played the better man. But he answered the question as he normally does, very professional-like. Then I worked up the courage to actually spit out a coherent question that, that could actually be translated. And uh, we went on from there, and then the pile got bigger, and I didn't have to have the pressure of being on my own. Yeah, I get it. It's it's professional media. I should be able to handle it. I was like 23 or whatever at the time, so that's that's where the, the nerves kicked in. But uh, You're that's, a grizzled veteran now. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, th- that's one thing I'll definitely remember about Corey Crawford. And you know, a lot of people kind of were reminiscent, or I shouldn't, were uh, reflective on his whole career. Of course, everyone's going to remember the Stanley Cups. Of course, everyone's going to remember the quotes that he created and the parades and all the <laughs> celebrations. But but you're right. Every time, every post game, it was very calm, cool, and collected. If the team won, oh, our guys did great. If the team lost, oh, I thought we played pretty well. I could have done better. He never threw anyone under the bus, and it seemed like that's why he was such a well-liked teammate. There were the rumors. There were the reasons he were he was gone for for a number of times, and um, you know he battled all through that. Whether or not whatever they were, he, he battled all through it, and he was still able to be a a stellar goaltender. And and yes, he may very well have another fantastic year with New Jersey. Um, but he'll always remember, be remembered as being a Blackhawk. Maybe he didn't get the exit that he deserved, but he sure as hell did just soak up 
everything about Chicago. I think Chicagoans did soak up everything about him. I said this yesterday, too. Everyone always talks about how under, underappreciated he was and received a lot of criticism often. That was not the case the moment Stan Bowman said we're not signing, re-signing Corey Crawford. It was all nothing but positivity about the guy. So maybe he was actually valued at, at what he should have been the whole time. It is ironic that uh, the most low-key guy, I don't think there's any more low-key than anyone more low-key over the last several years in that locker room than Corey Crawford. But it was uh, him who made the most gregarious quote of any of the three <laughs> Stanley Cup championship celebrations in Grand Park that one day. And uh, you keep going back to it. All you can do is just laugh. And, you know, hey, the guy's cutting loose after grinding through at that point with a 2013 Stanley Cup championship run. And, and I'll, I'll end on this also. I'm kind of curious... He's not going to be a clear number 1A unless Mackenzie Blackwood falls on his face in New Jersey. Mackenzie Blackwood had himself a pretty good year last year, I think 22-14 and and something. He and Corey had very similar statistics, and Blackwood's a much younger goaltender, so he's going to a team that has been losing, although in the in the process of uh, a stark rebuild, and some of those pieces are starting to come to fruition. He mentioned that in his uh, press conference with reporters yesterday, that he's excited about it. He's not going to win a Stanley Cup this year or next. Um, but uh, he's not going to be necessarily a clear-cut number one in New Jersey, I don't think. I kind of thought that Colorado would have been his landing spot because of their... You know, in my mind, Colorado kind of has a couple of... 1B goaltenders in Grubauer and Franceau. Uh, yeah, they, they've certainly had very good runs, but in terms of bringing a veteran who has been there and on a team that's already on the cusp of perhaps, they're already contending for a Stanley Cup right now. They've fallen short the last couple of years, but that's a team that is ready and now even more so with Brandon Saad joining the mix. So uh, that'll be another opportunity for Brandon to get ring number three right there. But I kind of thought Coy Crawford more so than Brandon Saad would have been a priority for Colorado rather than uh, than getting another winger. There was that, and there was Calgary too. There's a lot of thoughts that he'd be going to Calgary, but um, but yeah, it's it's definitely going to be weird seeing those guys in different uniforms. Well, maybe not Brandon Saad. We've seen him in a Columbus uniform before. Um, but the other ironic thing I'll bring up is uh, Lucas Reichel. When he was drafted, there were the Brandon Saad comparisons. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's something to look forward to. You get you get one going out, one coming in. I understand Reichel's probably still a little bit of ways from the NHL level, but but you like that two way style player. You, I don't know I, if you're if you're in the middle of the first round of the draft, why not go after a guy that can play both sides pretty well and that, that can give you some upswing? I know you've you've done your your draft podcast all without me, and I, I'm not trying to wah, pull wah, it all wah. back and uh, provide my two cents in that. But but who knows? You know, maybe one door closes, another one opens. Everyone was uh, looking for the Blackhawks to find their, uh, their their goalies of the future. Well, that has been sped up. I'm sure people were wishing that while still having Corey Crawford uh, still wearing the, the Indian head sweater. But um, uh, the future is now with uh, Colin Delia, Malcolm Subban, and also kind of the full circle irony of, yeah, there was a, another second round draft pick over the since Corey Crawford was drafted in the second round in 2003, and again it took him seven years to finally break through. Even though he had a couple of cu- cups of coffee uh, at the NHL level prior to that, it was the 2010-11 season when he got his opportunity. Ended up, you know, nudging Marty Turco from the starting job, outplaying Marty Turco and entrenching himself for the better part of a decade. In the net, there was only one other time since Corey was drafted in the second round in 03 that the Blackhawks have drafted a goaltender that high. Kent Simpson in 2010, I think, got himself one NHL game, and it wasn't even a full NHL game at that. It was a relief uh, gig. But now, um, as Corey goes out, the Hawks do draft a goalie and goaltender of the future, quote-unquote, you hope, in the second round this year in uh, Drew Camesso from the U.S. National Development Team. And he's going to go to BU uh, and try and uh, get his uh, legs under them for a couple, three years. And then it is a whole different animal beyond that. Everyone was pounding the desk to get uh, Askarov, the top-rated goaltender that everyone seems to be raving about, but he's under KHL control over the next couple of years. So uh, there's uh, some new yet familiar faces who are going to, Battle it out for the Blackhawks goaltending job uh, this coming season. And um, we end on this note as well. From a Blackhawks standpoint, there's still time. There's still more moves that are going to be made. 
everyone wants to react to everyone from uh, the president of the United States on down with, with their opinion on things uh, as soon as they happen. But this is a, an off-season process for however long this off-season lasts, where there's going to be more moves. And uh, we'll get a better sense of uh, who and what the Blackhawks are uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. And, of course, we'll bring you another podcast uh, as soon as we hear uh, more personnel moves are made or perhaps we hear from Stan Bowman. That could come as soon as Monday, Tuesday of this week. We will, uh, of course, bring another edition there. And before we sign off, uh, you're almost signed off from teaching, right, Mr. <laughs> Teacher? Are you? Uh, are, are the teaching days coming down to uh, a precious few? Two more weeks. Two more weeks uh, off for Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday and then finishing off that week and then finishing off the the final week, and yes, the long-term subbing role is complete. Uh, wouldn't wouldn't be truthful if I said I wasn't counting down the days. If you have kids out there that are learning via Zoom, be easy with your teachers. Um, they are really going through some rough times right now. If your child is doing hybrid learning right now, be even easier because they're basically working twice as hard. And I am not a teacher. I'm not saying this to you know, tout my own pride that I don't have. These people are working their tails off day in and day out, and that's why I am going to be so relieved when my duties have... <laughs> Uh, been concluded because that is uh, it's a lot of work that those people are going through right now and it's a very stressful time for all of them so uh, just keep an open mind whenever you you deal with your your children or talk to the teachers or anything like that because uh, it is some rough rough times that they are going through right now I've, o- I've always said that uh, the people who deserve to make the most money in this world are your good doctors but also your good teachers. There's a lot of them out there, and there's bad apples in every every profession too. But uh, for the responsibility that they have, being a quote, uh, quote quote unquote babysitter from age what five until eighteen, <laughs> going through going through high school, uh, full days for uh, nine months out of the year for the kind of responsibility. And the shaping of people that they provide, um, those real good ones. And, you know, uh, I, I have my favorites during, during my time going through school as well. Uh, the older you get, the more respect that you, uh, you gain for them. So I'm sure there's going to be some kid out there somewhere along the line, the years down the road, when asked who their favorite teacher is, it's going to be Mr. Brand. They, they probably, uh, who was that one sub that, uh, had to leave to he do a podcast? He was on a computer screen the whole time. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was okay. I think I remember him. Sure. We'll go with him probably not no but bless bless you for for filling in when you did and uh, bless all those folks out there who've been doing it for a long time who have been learning to adapt in this uh in this uh world that we find ourselves in in 2020 let's hope this doesn't uh, seep too far into 2021 please uh because uh, it's been a challenge for uh, for everyone more so for some than others uh thank you for listening to this edition of the Blackhawks crazy podcast again people there is time there's going to be more podcasts ahead as more moves take place and we will alert you via social media on when we have a new edition we of course encourage you to subscribe whenever you do that A new podcast will be right there sitting waiting for you, but uh, we'll keep you posted as well, both on uh, WGNRadio.com, WGN uh, Sports Twitter as well, and uh, Joe's Twitter and my Twitter. Joe's at at Joe underscore brand, the number one, at Joe underscore brand one. I'm at Bowdoin Tweets, and we'll let you know when a fresh edition comes out. So thank you for listening. Thanks to our producer, Curtis Kebab Coke, for putting this all together. The well-fed Curtis Kebab Coke. Curtis was smart. He knew something else was coming, so he wasn't going to put I wasn't going to post that podcast that we did on Saturday too soon. And uh, what do you know? The, uh, the the email from the Blackhawks comes through. First the, first the Elliot Friedman uh, rumblings about 10 minutes before, and then the Blackhawks official email that something uh, had indeed gone down with Brandon Sato. Thanks to Ernie Scatton as well. That's a wrap on this edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Appreciate you listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore Brand One. That was great!